You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. This is your host, Susan Simmons. I'm I'm running this alone. Well, not really alone. Joelle, you're co-hosting today, buddy. Right. Yeah. First time ever. I like this. This is a promotion. <laughs> maybe we maybe we don't need Tom. What do you think? I mean, I don't know if we ever needed Tom. <laughs> okay. So, you know, he may be out of a job now. That'll teach him to have a migraine headache. Why? Uh, we got a full house today. Yeah, a little bit. Well, let's have an audience. Yeah. We have a... This, I think this is our most, yeah, most, the most we've, we've ever had. had. So where's our applause? No, Joel, you screwed that up, buddy. There you go. Susan, you got me doing more things than I usually do. Normally, I just press the buttons. I forgot you don't multitask well. Yeah, I can't talk and press buttons. That's right. You're a male. What can we say? Right. <laughs> anyway, we have uh, four very interesting people that have been a part of my life and under the shields now for a few years, and we're just excited to have, first of all, we got Judy Glasser, but in the house this time. She was on Zoom last time. Mm -hmm. Welcome back, Judy. It's great to be here. It must not have been too bad of an experience. <laughs> we must have been pretty nice. She came back. I said yes. <laughs> Again. And she has a big deal today, the book launch the first book signing yes do we have others scheduled or we're not, not worried about those right now yeah we're just launching the book today so well very exciting yes it's a big deal and welcome to phoenix on our day of rain <laughs> it rains all the 38 minutes out of i don't know this year we've had about 40 minutes of rain i don't know i think they brought the rain <laughs> that's oh that's true coming out or either the california people brought it uh, they're pointing fingers at each other. <laughs> this is their fault. Yeah, if it was snowing, we would That's have brought true. the snow. And you know, we had snow in Scottsdale I heard, just yeah. a few weeks ago. That was pretty interesting. So in the in the studio today here, the Chris Ferrara podcast studio, you know, we haven't said that in a long time. It, it's long overdue. Yeah. I don't know why you let me forget to do that. This is your fault. It, it's chemo brain. <laughs> you don't, don't like have to, chemo I brain. I don't like to, it's contagious, Susan. <laughs> oh, well, at least yeah, Tom says he has mad cow disease. But um, hey, we're down to four weeks and final awesome. chemo. Yes. Well, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, it's I shouldn't say final. It's the final of the bad ones. Yeah. Then I get to do radiation every day for a month. Then that, that sounds fun. Sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I mean, all my favorite superheroes did that, so. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? I'm going to wind up being a yeah. superhero when it's over? <laughs> I'll be glowing in the dark yeah. by the time this stuff's over. <laughs> but, and for someone who sent me a message and said I was talking about my cancer for attention, let me tell you something. If I wanted attention from this, my ass would go to bed and I'd be calling on y'all to wait on me hand and foot. <laughs> I am trying to educate people it is not the end of the world. Some of us keep working. People call and go, can I go to the grocery store? I can go to the grocery store. I'm, I, I can drive. I'm, uh, you know. Now, the dementia part, that ain't got nothing to do with the chemo. That, <laughs> that might be what they're thinking. But, uh, no, I think it's more about educating people. I've worked almost every day since I started this. few exceptions. And, I mean, so I didn't know that. That upsets me. But, I mean, I would say when it comes to cancer, I think people are... I mean, you hear people say the C word oh, instead yeah. of giving, you know, saying its name. I think that just gives it more power, right? So I agree. I, when you're able to talk about these kind of topics, mm -hmm. it's not as scary. And, I mean, yeah. Well, I said if I had monkeypox, I wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, <laughs> you're on your own, That's Judy. That's good to know. <laughs> and I said it isn't like it's contagious, people. Jeez, I just, I just think secrets are bad, and so mm -hmm. you don't talk about stuff that's bad let's talk about this stuff yeah. and again and mine isn't a minimal kind it's a pretty aggressive cancer and the chemo six drugs i don't know how many more they can give you 
But honestly, I don't think I've not worked, but maybe, maybe five days total in the last, how many weeks? 18 weeks total by the time I get through the worst of it. But guys, it ain't the end of the world. And as the Phoenix officers all say, they feel sorry for the cancer. So <laughs> there's probably some truth there. <laughs> so in the studio, we have Judy and we have Dave Glasser. Give, give the man a mic. <laughs> Come on, come on, Big Dave. Talk Hello, to us. I'm here. He said more than one word, Jim. <laughs> He's good. He's doing good. We're, we're going to get him talking. I'm here for support. And, and doing a wonderful job of it, I want to add, as he moves the mic back over to Chris Hoyer. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Chris Hoyer, retired from Phoenix Police Department. How long has it been now, Chris? From, uh, five years in July. Golly, has it yeah. really been that long? Yeah, can't believe it. So. Wow. Yeah. Some days it seems like. Just last week, and other times it seems like 20 years ago. So whatever. true. Um, and we also have Natalie with us in the house here today, too. Hi, and, how are you? Thank um, you. Well, thank you for being here. And you really are here kind of in a twofold role. One is the editor of Judy's book, correct? Yes, yes And the other as Chris's adult supervision. <laughs> That's right. Somebody has to do it. I agree with you. And from someone who has traveled with that man and taught with him, he needs... <laughs> Probably more than just you, to yeah, be honest. I'm a lot tougher than I look. Well, it's a hard job. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Don't worry. The, the bruises are healing nicely. <laughs> so, thank you. So. Yeah, I don't think I ever had to hit you with the red man stick. I probably threatened it a few times. I probably should send it home with her. Yeah, she's got several. Don't worry. She, well, I have she a takes look. care of herself. Is that it's what it is? It's a look. Good. Across the room. Yeah. But how do you get his attention? Because I know that's short-lived, too. <laughs> um, yeah, we can't talk about that here. So. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast. We're really honored to have all of you here. And like I said, you're all kind of here in different capacities of how I've met you and what's going on in your world. But it all comes back to one event, basically, is what. Because I don't think you knew Chris before that time either, did no. you? No. Nope. You obviously knew Bird and the rest of yeah. the squad, but mm -hmm. yeah, so it's interesting how God brings things together, yes. and it also teaches you the world is a very small place. Yeah. So Joelle is the child in the room. Be careful what you say to people and how you treat them, because you never know when it's coming back to bite you in the butt. <laughs> Lesson number one of many to come, and you're with us finally full-time. Yes. This is your first podcast with us full-time. Yeah. I think so. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So Congrats. he's our adult supervision. So talk to us, boys and girls. Tell us all about how this all, I know how Chris and and Judy and Dave and I met. And me, for me, it was in an airport in a bar <laughs> called Tootsie's. In Good Nashville. times. Ooh, honey. Good times. <laughs> we got pictures, but we need video. And none of us thought to video. <laughs> we were all crying, man. We were like. Not thinking about videos that was in a, the moment. That was a crazy six-hour layover that I think Southwest probably regretted. <laughs> I know Tootsie's did. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they didn't. Well, I'm sure their sales were higher than normal. Probably. Day. Probably. As we were all heading up to D.C. Yeah. And I'll never forget Chris pulling me aside and he goes, um, do you remember this, Chris? I thought you approached me, but no, actually, we were kind of just standing there watching the crazies because <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I was trying to be the adult supervision and for way too many people. <laughs> and uh, I think we kind of looked at each other, and I think I may have asked you, so what's your part in this crazy adventure? Right, yeah, yeah. And you said that you had been there that day, and mm. and I think then you mentioned something about somebody had told you you needed to talk to me. Yeah, somebody dropped your name, and I don't. I think it was probably Bird, probably, more than likely. Probably. And I didn't. He didn't say who you, what you look like. So I was like, uh, she looks like a loner like me. So maybe she's the one. So the rest is history. So. I'd love to hear what Bird would say. I look like. <laughs> I'm not sure you could have met, followed the description yeah. necessarily, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> and so I know that's how we met, and that might have been the first time I had met you guys also judy and dave was there at the airport i don't know if it was in phoenix or if it was in nashville but well we were also at that um day retreat that i forget what his name is him and his wife put together and you were there and i don't know if that was 
See, I You're can't. not alone or something like that. Uh, yeah, again, chemo brain. Yeah. And when that doesn't work anymore, it's just plain dementia. And I can't but... remember if that was before or after because I was swirling brain. You know, yeah. That whole Timelines time. just kind of go it, away. Yeah, I have for to, sure. I have to look at my. I think that was, was pictures. that Rich Stringer? No. Well, it was, gosh, how can I forget? Really nice guy. He's retired. Got me, but there's no telling. And Natalie, how did you get sucked into all this crowd? <laughs> Aside from knowing Chris, um, I joined the uh, Mothers of Police Officers Facebook page. Oh. And I saw Judy's posts, she, you know, her blogs, and I responded because my son is a detective in Texas. See, I don't think I knew that. Or if I did, I forgot it. Right. So, so um, in fact, I always look back to the day... Um, that this all began because my son was getting into law enforcement. He's getting out of the Navy, going into law enforcement. And so, you know, when the news came on, um, what had happened down in Maryville with Dave, and I, I was really paying attention because, mm -hmm. again, my son was going into this. So, sure. Um, I started following her blogs on the Mothers of Police Officers page, and I, I thought to myself, as someone who writes books and helps people publish their stories. I, I reached out to her and I told her, I said, you really should write a book. Mm -hmm. And we just started having a conversation. And I think um, we had a phone call and she just, she felt like maybe this was the time. And when was that in the timeline? A year ago. Okay. A year ago. Okay. And you already knew Chris though? Chris and I, How far yeah, back? Chris and I have been together for four years. I helped him publish his book uh -huh. and um, that's how we kind of became a thing. And he, he told me he had a, a book and he was literally just emailing it out to people. I'm like, mm -hmm. hold off on that and let's, let's take a look. And not so, exactly what she said. Okay. <laughs> Did it involve calling you names? Uh, oh yeah. Still, still does. So. <laughs> I understand. You okay. Know, I, got I really believe that we all have a, a story and an obligation to share that. I agree. You know, and so hearing, you know, Judy's reading her blogs, it really just moved me as a mother mm -hmm. and um, of a police officer and just someone who believes that this story is important mm -hmm. when you think of the climate with police officers these days, Especially not that a lot of civilians don't understand what's right. going on um, from that perspective. So sure. um, I really thought it was important for her to share. Sure. And, and that to me, that's a big part of what all of this is. It's about sharing even resources of who you've talked to, who's been helpful, those kinds of things, because in this industry, there is such a resistance to, to getting help. And I think that was very therapeutic for you, the blog, the writing, the book, all of that. And I don't even know that you begin to realize how therapeutic it is for you until you start getting a lot of feedback from moms who have bought the book, read the book, and it can be five years from now, it can be 10 years from now. There's no telling. Um, I've been doing this 31 years, and I'm amazed at the people that will reach out and say, 30 years ago, I was in a training, and something you said really got me through my whole career, and mm -hmm. you can't remember that person. Uh, but it's that kind of stuff that we all have to come together and really put the information out there. Yeah, share the story, which Absolutely. I was doing on a blog, and I've already got a ton of people coming, you know, reading the book and saying, well, the blog people really like. Right. And so people would say, write a book. You need to write a book. And I, God told me when to start the blog. I started the blog just four months after Davey was killed. Mm -hmm. And it was very therapeutic. But people told me that I put words to their emotions, and that really helped them yes. understand their emotions and how they all work together and, and all of that. And it's okay. Yeah, it's okay for well I think to have emotions. That's one of the things that I do in the book is give people permission to grieve. Six years later, grieve. Yes. Twenty years later, sure. Grieve. There's times where you grieve. You know, when you especially when you lose a child. So when Natalie contacted me, she's like, "Okay, you need a, you should write a book." And I said, "So why should I write a book?" And we had this really con good conversation because I always had these questions. I write a blog. Mm -hmm. Why should I write a book? And one of the, the things that really sold me is she said people like to give people books. Yes. And I was like, oh. 
<laughs> especially with my topic, that is cool because when you run into people with extreme grief, you feel helpless. Sure. I feel helpless. Sure. This is not a five-minute conversation. This is not a 30-minute conversation. This is a long process of dealing with this. And, and it's so, not the same for everybody. No. So you can't say there's this blueprint. You're going to feel yeah. this today and Do six weeks steps. from now this. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. And so my favorite thing, one of my favorite things, other than telling Davy's story, it's a story that needed to be told. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite things for me now is I'm going to say when people, because I kind of end up being the grief person because mm -hmm. people know I've had this high profile thing and I've really worked through it and all of that. They'll come up to me with all their they're every young person they know that has died, and oh yeah, I feel helpless. But sure. now I'm gonna go get my book. Here you go. <laughs> Here, you too can read this. Yeah, and it's not. It's a process of reading. It's really gonna be so much more helpful than mm -hmm. anything you would say. Sure. Or yeah, the grief is such a personal thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need to step away and curl up with a, a book, and somebody you know, kind of walking sure. through their their journey sure and helping them see that there is a light at the yeah. end of the tunnel and sometimes it's not easy to talk about it because you don't know am I telling too much do they really want to hear you know so you yeah. just very personal so to me a book is something they can take away yes and sit with yes um, whether they you know read it over a breath of a day or a week or go back and you can go I back would encourage work. people to really read it in parts read it how does this apply to me what in this mm -hmm. Am I seeing myself in not just read it like Judy's story, but read it on how it applies to them? Because you, I think you'll miss things if you don't. Well, I've had several people tell me they read it first and it's it's very emotional. So they kind of had an emotional time through the book and now they're reading it again to get the points of where I made decisions that moved me forward sure. and what kind of goals I made and that type of thing, which I also want people to get because I've met way too many people who are stuck in the anger and bitterness mm -hmm. part of grief. And I think people make them feel bad for being angry and bitter, that it's almost this attitude of it's over, move on. And, that's and that not, does not yeah. work. <laughs> it's not over. No, no. And, and again, I think it's also when there's it's the death of a child because, again, no parent has a baby and says, I may have to bury them one day. Yeah. That just is never in the life plan. And, you know, one of the things that we're so excited about, about having Joel on full time now is he's one of our stress coaches also. And he lost his father, who was a channel police officer from COVID in January. I always lose the year 21, same year Chris Farrar was killed. And he's able to reach cops kids mm -hmm. where I'm just another adult in their world, but he can relate. And even I know working with cops kids that or even stepkids who lost their dad to COVID, that's been a whole different dynamic. Also in the line of duty death world with police week and all that stuff, it is a line of duty death, mm -hmm. but it's handled differently. And so he's able to connect and relate there where, where we can't. You're going to be able to relate to moms who have kids working, whether they're still on the job or they're not. Because, again, you you were his mom the whole time he was a cop. Yeah. There were a lot of stories there. Yeah. And that's a hard, that's not an easy job. I have had sisters, as one specific sister, uh, reach out to me and say the book really helped her as well. So I think she's an adult. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the things in the book are like adult, mm -hmm. you know, issues. Sure. And they really, she said it super helped her. Sure. Took her out of, you know, a funk. Well, it also tells them they're not alone. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think when, you know, you go through that grief process, you feel that nobody can relate to your situation. And no matter, you know, I mean, I'm me personally, I, you know, I have everyone reaching out to me, you know, my phone's blowing up, Facebook messages. Yeah, I still feel completely yeah. alone. And so, I mean, I think that's what's really cool about, you know, what you're doing and what we do. Um, you know, it's 
bibliotherapy for yeah. a lot of people. When they when you read this, it's like, oh, I'm not going through this alone. Like right. someone else has gone through this. And of course, the millennial and Mises podcast is also a new form of bibliotherapy. <laughs> but um, you know, like it, it's good. Uh, it's it's good. It's therapy for you. Yeah, to write it and get it out. And same thing when, you know, like when I told my story on here, um, you know, that was really helpful for me. But then it's the feedback that you get where immediately, like it was like the next day I'm getting messages, you know, asking if I could meet like with, a, um, you know, talk to someone's son or daughter and, you know, because they were experiencing some something similar. It's like, wow, like, I remember I was I, I was feeling alone, and there's so many people mm-hmm. out there going through the same thing. It just it it's uh, a look at you contributing God. here. Yeah, it's, it's like it's God's your work. pain turns into a purpose. Yeah, right. and you and give that's it back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and as, you can find purpose in yeah. your pain. Yeah, and as an editor of Judy's book, you know, first of all, I mean, you can pick a book up any time if you need it. Sure, you know, it's, it's like a friend. Yeah, you call them up and or you sit down with this book, but you know, editing it, I. As a mother of a law enforcement officer, I had to take it in, in bits and sure. pieces because it was a lot. Sure. You know. Sure, um, absolutely. Because you do, you the story resonates. It's her story, mm-hmm. but you as a as a reader, you you put yourself in her shoes and you're like, This this could happen. This absolutely. happens. Um, so and it was beautiful because I found I've you know, never lost a child, I can't imagine. But I feel like I've grown having read her book absolutely in a way that just creates a sense of resiliency Mm -hmm. and um, I think this book is going to really do amazing things so Dave what's your part in this book you actually wrote the book didn't you (laughs) I bet you actually wrote it didn't you no 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 (laughs) I um well I read the book obviously and I believe it's spot on Mm -hmm. did you contribute did you feel like when she was writing it no there were things that y'all talked about that no you go in and find out. I don't believe we did. Well, I mean, I asked him a couple you, questions you asked, about. Okay, when we did this, because right. you know the swirling. Yes. Do you remember? Like, was this before or after? I I did kind of check out some of the things, yeah. but I worked hard to try to make it my story, mm-hmm. not his story, not my daughter's story, not my daughter-in-law's story. Sure. This was my story. Sure. So then I could be really real with my emotions and stuff. I'm not trying to say what other people felt. Right. Right. But he was the closest one. So I did talk about his father passed away 11 days before Davy got was killed. That's right. Mm-hmm. So talk about multiple bombs going yes. off in your life. And yes. Davy was his best friend. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I can relate. I buried basically the equivalent of four parents in 12 months and you feel like when your finally head's coming above water, you get shoved down again. And I can't even imagine when one of those is, is your child. Uh, do you think you have a book in you? I have maybe one chapter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take that. I mean, I have, I have scribbled some things down. Good. On the phone, you know, in a, in a note or something like that. But no, nothing like, uh, like a book. Yet. No. Yet. No. <laughs> He's not a writer. Yeah, you know, the writing itself really is, is, is cathartic just for yourself. Yeah. I sure, always tell sure, people exactly, whether you want yeah. to publish or not, you yes. should you write it down. Yes. Yeah. It is helpful. And I think that's why what 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 led to Judy um doing the blog was kind of a an outlet mm-hmm. for her. Yeah, so, Gad told me mm-hmm. I needed to tell the story. Yes. Because my story is different because he walks so closely with me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hope I know people are really getting that from the book Good. is one of the reasons why I'm at a positive, purposeful place is because God was in the middle of the whole thing. Absolutely. And he's been funny about the book. He's been in the middle pushing buttons and making stuff happen. And Isn't that amazing how that happens? <laughs> yeah. And you go, okay, God, I got the picture here. You don't have to hit me with a baseball bat, but I got it. Because we, we had literally set a date for, it was like today. today. Yeah. yeah. But we found out that we were both going to be in town at the same time. And then we're like, how about we just push this through and get it done? We had like, the book wasn't done. The no. cover wasn't done. Like, no. and, sure. we, and we were working, you know, we every were, day. Yeah. We were working every day, but it just like God sent this, you know, 
message like, okay, you're both going to be in town. Let's make this happen now. Yeah, you know? And all of a sudden, everything just fell into place. The people, the, the location, everything just fell into place. And that's and when you know it's right. Stuff that was supposed to take three days take took less than a day. Mm -hmm. Like, And so anybody that has a book that they haven't finished <laughs> should really <laughs> talk to them. <laughs> talking to <laughs> should really, talking Natalie to. was awesome <laughs> on getting this finished. Well, God's kind of moving me right now that I'm not sure that the book I need to write is about the cancer experience, more so than what I have yeah. thought in the past mm -hmm. that Lieutenant Colonel Grossman has been hammering me on for 30 years. Um, but I got a feeling right now the book's going to be more about my cancer walk in this and mm -hmm. not being a victim to it. And so, yeah, so Natalie, you didn't know it, but anyway, you got another job ahead of you. <laughs> and I'm not the easiest be, person be in the world well, to be careful, work with. Be careful what you wish for, okay? Because I may be calling you, you like, too. where are you at? <laughs> she already knows <laughs> how your book should go. Yeah. Oh, good. I do. I mean, oh, I heard it's like 30 years in the making, but it I is. feel like this experience you're yeah. going through now is where it all I agree. The climax. So I agree. We need to talk. So if you can take what's appearing this and put it down on paper, you're my girl. <laughs> well, that's we're talking about. She purposes. helped that's him. Mine. So I know. Yeah, I that's helped, a. That, I helped that, Chris. That, he, he, it was hundreds of pages, all in caps, very little grammar. Oh yeah, yeah. I got one of his first drafts, and I thought, what's he screaming about? Why is he yelling as he's writing this book? <laughs> I had, a, I had a lot of anger going on there. So, uh. Yeah, you did, but rightfully so. And, yeah. you know, one of the things we really did not get into in the last podcast, G, when you were on, was was really the whole event of Dave's death and how Chris comes into play here. And, and like I said, it's kind of an interesting story of how it all weaves together. Um, but I feel like, you know, really to keep Davey's memory alive, we have to tell his whole story, not just his start in law enforcement but the whole thing, and the reality is, is he's still very much affecting people and will as long as we continue to tell his story. And that day was a day that changed a lot of lives, uh, a lot of lives in uniform, including Chris Hoyer's. Well, let me jump in really quick on that. He didn't change my life. He changed the trajectory of my life. I mean, like sure. full blown. I mean, I had no sure. idea. I mean, I knew him, but we weren't like besties or anything. And after that experience, yeah, my life went on a whole nother direction. I mean, right. completely, you know, so. Yeah. And now with Natalie being on board now, she's physically seen some of the things that I've experienced sure. firsthand from going to the scene or the cemetery and stuff like that. It's like, oh my goodness. I mean, it's just, it's just every single day there's something new that comes around. It's just amazing. Well, so. and again, and it's led to you impacting other law enforcement officers, where if you hadn't had that experience, then you you don't know whose lives you've changed and touched and saved and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like we teach in our classes. Everybody in law enforcement has to set a realistic goal, and that is if you help one person in your career, you've met your goal. I think too many times they're set up for failure with this. Uh, you got to save everybody. And then they fail over and over again because that's not their job. But saving one person, everything else on top of that is just gravy on top. And, you know, Davey, I bet y'all had people like we did with Chris Farrar. We had people come out of the woodwork. We didn't even know Chris had talked to. Oh, yeah. And I bet there have been All people. All kinds of people. Yes. That said, oh, yeah, I knew him. And, you know, he, he was such a big personality that. All kinds of people would go, oh, yeah, we talked to him or we knew him or especially the hotel gaining thing was a whole different culture that he had a big influence like this one. I'll never forget this one guy told me and he still is very supportive of the foundation. Um, but he said, Dave and I were in the line for concessions at the game, mm -hmm. Cardinals game, of course, and they started talking and by the time they got up to get their stuff, like Dave's inviting him to tailgate with them. And, and he had come by himself because he just moved into town. He didn't know anybody. And he's like huge supporter of the foundation. Nice. And and I don't think that's the only person Dave no. befriended right. in the concession stand sure. line. Sure. Absolutely. So, and I don't want to put any credence or 
any attention to the POS that did this that day. Um, but basically, Davey was part of a squad here at Phoenix called a Net Squad, Neighborhood Enforcement Team, correct? Yes. And um, they're kind of a, a specialty team just below SAU and above patrol. It's kind of hard to describe what those people it's like do. A, it's kind of like a proactive catch-all squad. We yes. do a little bit of everything. Yes, so. yes. And you were actually on that squad. His sister squad. His sister squad. Correct. Yes. And uh, actually, Bird and Tommy were supposed to be in uniform that day for the... It's always one unit that's in uniform. Um, and Bird and Tommy were supposed to be that that day and for whatever reason wound up having to go for rifle recall or something. And Dave and Ryan wound up in that position. And you got called out, you got sent out there at some point. Yeah, I was at the I was at the station um and the call came out. I didn't wasn't even paying attention to it. And then LT uh Tom Van Dorn got on the radio and asked for plain clothes guy which i happened to be that day and me being how i am as you as especially susan knows being the resident magnet of trouble um, uh yeah uh, and that's an understatement yeah but. so my my thought process at the time was oh it's 2 30 i still got time to get into something so without hesitation I hopped in the car and shot down there as quickly as i could so and basically when it all went down you yeah. were responsible for making sure this individual never hurt anybody ever again Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. Um, there were a considerable amount of emotions that went that came after, you know, the survivor's guilt and all these kinds of things. But yeah, I I don't I can't repeat my exact words, but I basically was like, oh, you want to play? I can play and, and pretty much put him down. So. Sure. But it wasn't just me. I'm not, I don't want to take right. any credit for that. There were five of us out there that all uh, ended up firing on this guy sure. um, after what had happened. So, yeah. And really, Judy, from that point forward. Uh, and Dave, jump in at any time also, but uh, what's your first memory of the phone call? Who called you? How, how did y'all find out? Well, Dave was home, but I was driving home from work and um, Kristen called me and she was crying mm -hmm. and she said, Dave, Dave's been shot. And I immediately thought about his bulletproof vest. So I'm thinking arm or leg and I am starting to shake, so I parked my car and stuff. And then Bird, she had she had mistakenly found out from calling the precinct, which yes. nobody should have said to her ever. But um, Bird walked into the house while we were on the phone, so he got on the phone, found out I was downtown, and sent me straight to the hospital. Okay. And then, and Dave, you were at home. I was I was driving school bus at the time. And we were getting towards the end of the school year, and typically they have a lot of half days in there. So I actually had a half day, and I, I believe I got off probably uh, around noon or a little bit before. And uh, I was doing taxes at the same time on the side, and I had a tax client up off of uh, Happy Valley Road and 35th Avenue area. And so I, I went up there right from work, and so I was oblivious to any news or anything. It wasn't any, you know, typically you don't play it on the radio right. uh, in the car. So um, so after the meeting, I came home and uh, Kristen had a graduation that night mm -hmm. uh, to be too. So I was going to go over to their house. And this and is Davy's wife we're talking about. Yeah. Kristen, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, sit with the kids mm -hmm. while she was at graduation. So I'm just kind of waiting around, and I was supposed to be over there at 5 o'clock, so I was just getting ready to leave the house, and I get a knock on the door, and it was uh, Rich Vasquez and another officer that said, you got to come with us right away. Uh, we're going to the hospital, and they started kind of filling me in, but not with a lot of details, just the fact that Davey was shot, basically. And, and so that's, that's kind of how I heard about it. And... Um, no one, not many people knew where Davy lived or where this house was. Right. We were living in his rental. Mm. Uh, he was renting it to us. That was their first house before they moved over to the uh, to the acreage where they uh, were living at the time. And so it wasn't listed publicly, so it was real hard to 
sure. to find out. So apparently Rich had been there at one point uh, for a party or something that maybe was good about having poker parties and UFC fight parties. Yeah, I've seen and the pictures. <laughs> so they found Rich. They found someone that knew where the house was because otherwise I'd still be sitting there. I mean, sure. I just, so uh, anyway, that's how I found out and got sure. in the car and they they drove uh, pretty quickly down to the uh, hospital. And, you know, it's really interesting because I remember when it came out about him and I didn't know but very few people at Phoenix at that point, not, none, of the, none of the squad at that time. And I had, over the years, I used to go to all the law enforcement funerals. And then I found that if I went to the funeral and then became part of it working with the officers, it was too hard. And so I didn't have any reason to believe I was going to be doing anything with the Gloucester squad. So I actually had planned on going to Davy's funeral. And uh, Border Patrol came up just a couple of weeks before, and Yuma called out of the clear blue. They'd never even approached me, and the training was that day. And I said that was such a, a blessing for me, given how I would eventually become involved, that I don't, it would have been really hard to have heard Bird and seen that mm-hmm. squad there and the eulogy, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and so all those things kind of work together. And so... Chris, at what point, though, then did it even really register with you to get to know his parents? Did that ever really enter your brain as somebody who was there that day? Because I know as a mom, if if I were in your shoes, I'd want to talk to everybody I didn't who was want there. To. I didn't want, like, Chris shared his first draft of his book, mm-hmm. and I tried to read it, and I couldn't read it. I never went to the spot. Like, I oh, don't didn't? want to know. I had a hard time. The foundation went right back in. And as soon as we made the foundation, we had like a backpack drive mm-hmm. right in Levine. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time going back to Levine that first time. And then once I got to know people, I'm like, oh, this is good. Yeah. You know, these yeah. are just people. And But I had a hard time that first time just going and again, and this just shows how different it is yeah. for everybody, because with Chris Ferrars, I had to go to the scene and be walked through it. I, and I got a lot of comfort from that, knowing because I had a different image and had been told a whole different story. Um, and it is. It's different for everybody. And it doesn't make one right and one wrong. Yeah, they went uh-huh. yeah. to the scene. A couple oh, of yeah, I visited by... the scene uh, at least one time. And um, I kind of was asking questions of some of the squad members who actually weren't even there, but I knew knew more than I did mm-hmm. about what happened. And they filled me in on a lot of some of the details that I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually wanted to know as much as I could. I, I wanted to look at the crime scene book and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, okay, yeah, we can arrange that. But then I wasn't persistent and it just kind of dropped. I don't think they really wanted me to see it anyway, but um, I guess I had the right to, you know, to sure. look at it if I wanted, you know, all the pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I was real interested in knowing the details. I wasn't really uh, shy of that, you know, afraid of it or anything. Yeah, if you're like me, uh, we'll plug it in if we don't have it. And what we can plug in is going to be distorted because obviously we weren't there. Yeah. Uh, I'm like you. I got to have all the information. And was there a point, though, that you ever sat down with and asked questions? No. With Chris at You know, at that point, um, there were a lot of things going on. And uh, the next time I saw anybody, uh, Joe Roberts was at the awards ceremony, Mm -hmm. the next one up. I don't don't know what time of year that was. was I don't know if you were there. Were you there? Yeah. Okay, so I probably saw both of you there. But then I know Joe disappeared. Shortly after that, to the wilderness well. of Montana or Wyoming or whatever. Yeah, those places. Montana. Idaho. No, I think they're in Montana. Yeah. Idaho. Oh, yeah. Are they in Idaho now? Yeah. Okay, I, and then you you took off somewhere. Maybe. Yeah, um, it was uh, so. Um, to rewind, answer your question. So the first time um, I was approached by the squad was actually Bird, and he basically told me he cornered me and said, "You're coming with us to DC." I'm like, I wasn't part of the squad. And he's like, but look what you did. You're part of the family. And I'm like, 
what am I going to say? No, of course. So I went, um, and I think that was the first time that we ever made connection with each other at that point in time. But then the next one was with Davy's locker at the precinct. Yes. Um, and then, um, I call him big Dave, big Dave. And I talked on the phone a handful of times and I filled him in on a few of the details and to be perfectly honest, I wasn't quite sure what he wanted to hear and what I should say. Sure. So I was a little bit more, you know, reluctant to, to give the specifics on it, even though it was incredibly fresh in my mind. I was in the middle of writing the book, um, you know, and then I sent a copy. I think I sent an email you copy did. to you guys. Yeah. And then sent the, the physical copy as well. Um, did you read it, Dave? I read the email copy, but we can't find the book. We moved. <laughs> not, not, to, not to plug it, but I do have copies in the car. Yeah, uh, we need one of those copies because Dave, Dave was just looking for it, you know, right. saying, I need to reread that. And we looked everywhere, and our yeah. copy, I don't know where it went. Are you ready to read it now? No. I'm not. I'm you don't really think you ever not will? interested. Okay. Well, in my mind, you know, it was done, and those details. I've heard some of it, sure, and to the point where I believe Job. God tells us in Job fourteen five that our day is determined yes. before we are born, and I've heard enough to know mm -hmm. that there was so many coincidences that day. Like Ryan usually drives, yes. and all yeah. of those. I've heard enough, and the ricocheting and stuff. I'm like, yeah, it was a bizarre. You couldn't it replicate was his that again. Day. Mm -hmm. It was his day. Yes. God had determined when before he was born that that was his day. And I write about that, too. It really helps me not say things like, oh, I wish he hadn't been a police officer. Right. He loved being a police officer. Mm -hmm. I wish he wouldn't have gone on that call that day. It wouldn't have mattered. Mm -hmm. So all of that what ifs are answered. Yes. You know, so. And that's comforting. Yeah, all my questions are answered. Absolutely. And the questions I ha don't have answered, I've just I've said this in the book, too. I just submit them to God. Like, I don't understand why, you know, why. I know it was determined, but why? Because he was only 34 years old. But I just submit that to God, and he's God, I'm not. Yep. And I go on. Yeah, he doesn't run on my timeline very yeah. often either, Judy. I have found I've talked to him about it numerous times. I just keep saying, give me 24 hours. Let me run this. I'll screw it up and fix it. But just give me 24 hours. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, very clear to me he's got and I'm not, and I'm not in control. He is in control. And he had determined that day. So if Davy had stayed home in his sweatpants, that would have been his last yes. day. And if, if you read this book, mm -hmm. Dave, Davey lived his life every yes. day. Yes. And he lived, he, he had a great time. He, he had people in his life and he was telling, you know, his squad every day, I love, you know, love you. Yes. And, and that was his job here on earth. That's, yes. what, that's how I, absolutely. This. And, you know, whether you live a day or, you know, till you're 108. Oh, please don't look at me and wish that on me. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to see 70. Come on now. Uh, we, we all have our day and a purpose to Absolutely. be here. And I think, you know, reading about Davey, learning more about him, I'm like, he did what he was, what he came to do. I and wish I had met him because I really would love to have met the man that was able to get James Bird in footy pajamas. <laughs> I got the picture. <laughs> I have that picture. They meant had... to say love you to each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It was awesome. I did not know that. I knew Davey said love you to us. I didn't know he had his whole squad saying love you. And since then, I've had police officers in, in squads at the same precinct who said, oh, yeah, we'd hear them yelling love you <laughs> across the locker room going, these guys are crazy, you know. But I'm glad he wasn't found because yeah. <laughs> could have gotten him beaten up a few times. He was 6'5". Yes. So when he said, you're going to say love you, people are like, okay, I'll say love you. And just like I was telling you on the last podcast too, that spread because I shared that story in Baton Rouge and that spread to the sheriff's department there and the PD and who knows where it spread from there because they were all very touched by that and realized the importance and significance of it. It was it's been huge. That's why part of, you know, part of the title of my book is Finding, you know, Davy's Legacy of Love mm -hmm. is has a has had a huge 
effect on our journey or my journey because his love you echoes over us you know whenever we're around each other his love you echoes in my head sure you know and and so there's all this love i told natalie you know she does the love notes yes i said we have the same message natalie you know love people show that love and without condition yes yes not because you're good enough and not right. because you're a nice person, just right. because you deserve some love and sure. you need some love. People, people spend too much time judging and criticizing <laughs> each other. And if they, I wish they just knew how much easier life is by just loving everybody. Well, you know? and you don't know that person's story to be able to judge right. where that is coming from, that it can make a difference in how you respond to them uh, in how they go on from there. And that's what we're all supposed to be doing, making that difference, not sitting in judgment. Because it's easy to sit back from a, a a safe place and, you know, why is that person such a jerk? I had somebody tell me the other day, and he's a Marine, combat Marine, and he said, Susan, I just have a resting bitch face. And I said, well, that's by your choice. Because <laughs> you can turn your mouth up a little bit in the corners. I don't know what it's about Marines that think they can't do that. No, I could turn them around. I've given plenty of Marines love notes, and like in a heartbeat, sure. they, they start to cry. Sure. They're just, it's all a defense. Like, oh, this guy's a real emotional guy. Right. Don't get me wrong. But he just thinks he has this look. And, and I told him, I said, I've seen you not have a resting bitch face. I've seen you smile. I've seen you laugh. And I think he was shocked by that. And I, I think they think they're that way so much of the yeah. time. Well, officers, too. Police sure. officers, they all have that face where you don't, you're afraid to even approach them. Sure. You know, but it's all in, you know, self-protection, you know. Even... See, I take it as a challenge. Yeah. Look that <laughs> way. Too. Watch this. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to talk to me one way or the other. <laughs> um, Chris, tell us about your book real fast, because it's about this adventure also. Well, it was, um, it was, of course, born out of Dave, no yes. questions asked. Um, but what I didn't realize was that um, even though Dave was the epicenter, mm-hmm. it was also my, at the time, 18 years of experience that I had in the law enforcement community. Because that was your fourth shooting, correct? correct? Yeah, but, okay. my, but my first gunfight. And right. tactically speaking, I didn't know the difference. Right. And that's, that's a pretty big deal, it especially is. as an instructor. Um, and this is what I teach. And not knowing that when you put so many rounds down range and the guy starts shooting back at you that oh my God, how many failures did I just have in that four and a half second gunfight? And um, so that combined with, you know, a failed marriage and the law enforcement stuff and all these other things kind of going on. And then 2016 started with uh, like the worst of the worst of the worst. And then Dave, and then it just went, it just kind of fell apart from there. And then, Doing really well for a long time. I did really well for no, about a year. No, you faked it. I, was, I thought I was doing pretty good. You thought. And then all of a sudden, um, I get knocked in my rear end again a couple of different times. Mm-hmm. And then um, make a comeback. And that's about the time I started writing the book. About a year after, I think, give or take. And what I learned from that, and I say it in a selfish way, it was for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God bless Natalie for pointing that out, that it saved my life. I mean, sure. it, it totally did. I think for you guys, I think it's going to do the exact same thing, especially when you start realizing, and I'm sure we'll get to the story um, of you and I in Memphis. Yes. That kid that came up and started approaching me, and I'm like, holy cow, now I'm in the driver's seat. Now I've taken on this responsibility to be this public speaker type person. Well, you better better say the right thing because you're being, you're being approached. And from what I'm understanding about the book, and I've only been through, you know, Natalie's editing portion, portion of the book I haven't actually physically sat down to read it yet, but I will. Uh, hopefully, I'll get one today, by the way. <laughs> uh, y'all can, ex- thinking, y'all right? can exchange books. Right, there you go. Um, we'll see if there's any left. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but from what I understand, it's made such a huge impact on so many lives already. And so now you've got that responsibility, which is huge. But don't forget, it's for you. Yeah. And that's where that's where mine was born from. And sure. it's, it's turned into this huge thing now. And... Natalie gives me all kinds of grief because I'm carrying it around like a little security blanket everywhere I go. You know, like, here, take, take my book. But, um, here, let me pay you to take my book. He gave it to the, the it, through the drive-in at Chick-fil-A, he gave it to the kid taking our order. I'm like, I know you love this book. 
There's a target audience. <laughs> nice job, But he's Chris. just so proud of it. Sure, absolutely. I but. have bought into that. As long as one person, as long as it helps one person. You have I, to. I did that years ago when I started blogging. As long as one person, this helps one person or helps people move forward. Yep. That one, I've got, and really, I always say I have an audience of one, and that's God. You know, Mm -hmm. if he's happy with it, I'm happy with it. Sure. And that's good. And that's the whole thing. If you're doing what he wants you doing, then there aren't any obstacles that can get in your way. It doesn't mean Satan doesn't try, for sure. But But it happens. Whatever happens, like today, we're like, okay, we're going to see what God does today. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting. Absolutely. Well, and I was telling somebody this the other day, we were talking about when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And the irony is the one I have is like less than 12% of breast cancers. But the irony was when I called a friend who was a cop that to tell them, because I wanted the people close to me to hear it from me, his wife had just found a lump. Turned out because of our conversation, she was able to get in faster than what she was supposed to do because I sent her to my people. And we have the identical same breast cancer. And that's why I was telling somebody, I said, if that's the good that came from it, because had she waited six weeks like they were talking about for her to do this as aggressive as it is, there's no telling what the story would be. And today she's doing great. She's ahead of me, which kind of pisses me off. But anyway, um, she's finished the worst of the of the treatments. But I said, but that's how you find the good Mm -hmm. in the things that are in your life is the fact that it impacts other people. And I, I think that's a huge part of it. You know, we like to take credit. I don't know if Chris gives us any credit, but we like to take credit for getting Chris started in the speaking world. Because I think the, your first one was with uh, Border Patrol and Yuma, wasn't it? Was that the first one? The first one was Memphis. Was it Memphis? It was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was Mark's first one was down in Yuma. Correct, yes. At Border Patrol. And that was another part of this story that Chris was the one who brought Mark Valenzuela to us. And Mark has impacted lives all over, teaching with me at Haida and places. You never know when you tell your story exactly what it's going to happen. Put it out there because you never know how it's going to come back around. And I don't think it's an accident that, like you, talking to your friend and then his wife. I mean, I think that if we keep these stories to ourselves, we're not we're doing doing a disservice to to the world around us. Because that, like even just me being a part of the story... I remember the day this happened. It was mm-hmm. so vivid in my mind. And I would, if somebody had told me you'd be editing Judy's book. Right. Um, and then connected to Chris and then sitting here with you, I'd be like, you're crazy. <laughs> but it's because we share our stories and because everything's leading us to our purpose. Yes. Yeah. And, and our part in this. And, and by not speaking of, you know, somebody saying that you're just looking for attention. Yes. That's not what this is about. Yeah. It's, not at it's all. It's about sharing who we are. So that it resonates with people sure. and maybe it saves a life. Absolutely. Like, right? Absolutely. And that, and again, you know, it's like Chris telling his story. It's not telling the story in a manner of I'm this badass that did this. It's here's, here's part of this job, first of all, but here's how I learned from it. Now let me help others learn from it. Because you're right. It's different when the rounds start coming back at you. Yeah. You know, on the range, they don't shoot back at you. You know, I, I learned about that because I was... I mean, I've been shot at enough times, and it's like, okay, yeah, not a big deal. And what I explain to folks is that when you see a guy point a gun at you and pull the trigger, that's what changed my life. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second, I don't like this anymore. I want to run away, and clearly I couldn't do that. But You hid um, behind a tree that you thought was about 12 inches. It turned out to only be about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. He's showing me the tree, and I'm going, yeah, okay, yeah. you are skinny, but I don't uh, think you hid behind that tree, uh, buddy. <laughs> And actually, I went back to find out that tree was still there, and it was. Oh, yeah. And you and I went and looked yeah, at yeah. it. It was some crazy stuff. So. Yeah. Um, but what I took away from this thing was not only the impact that it had on my life, but the direction that I took. Mm-hmm. And then um, talking to several people about Dave before I knew him as well as I, as I like to think I do now, um, the spirituality part that just just literally took over my life. I'm sure. Like, wow. I mean, who knew? You know, now I look at things a whole different way. And... A lot of it, I'm not going to lie, has the touch of God, but mm-hmm. I think more the touch of Dave because Dave, really, I think that he saved my life on that scene. I really sure. think he did. So, Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so. And, you know, I feel like I know Dave because I've heard so many stories from Bird and 
uh, that whole crew, and again, pictures that get sent to me periodically for entertainment value, um, and and knowing y'all, I think it's hard. It would be hard not to feel like you know him because he was he wasn't a wallflower by any stretch no. of the imagination. He was extreme extrovert. Like he just loved people, and he loved. He was always planning the next party, the next get together. Then he got the house with the acre, and so we were constantly out there playing games. You Weren't know, there some things with riding lawnmowers or yes, something, too? Yes, I wasn't there, but I heard about, because he had a riding lawnmower, and you know, cops are very careful about drinking and driving, but they were drinking and driving in his backyard. Uh, riding lawnmowers are not the same as driving a vehicle in their brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah in their brain. Well, it was fences and stuff. But he, he was a really unusual combination of a man of super integrity mm-hmm. and loyalty and just got to do this job 100%. Uh-huh. And this guy who just loved to have a great time. And so, and he had a deep love for God. And he shared it. And he shared it. Mm -hmm. And I think that just made him such an extraordinary person. People remember him. They remember meeting him. Because he made you feel special. Like you were important to him. Even though it was a crowd of people. I, I have one friend that we went to church with. David and Davy and Kristen and at Palm Valley and our our pastor talked at his funeral and um they uh who were, what was he saying oh I had a friend that said she really changed her mind about people who party and say they're Christians uh-huh. his his funeral really changed her mind about that because while he was partying he's talking about God and his faith and, you know, to these same people. Sure. And she said, I always thought that you couldn't do that and be a real Christian. She goes, it really changed my mind. I wonder where she read that, that you can't (laughs) do that, because I've never understood that. But I think that also comes into play, too, with the loss is so great when it's someone that big in life. But I also think that that also impacts their memory being kept alive, too. And, you know, Chris Ferrara was the same way. We laugh and say he was he was a dork, but he was our dork and we loved him. And he was bigger than life also. And so but I think that comes into play also in how connected and how much influence they can have even in death. Mm -hmm. And that's huge that you're willing to come out and share the stories, talk about it, put it in writing about what you experienced. Because again, if a book is written about it, it means there's a need for it for so many people. And it takes things out of it's just me. And writing is a very cathartic. I write to to Chris Farrar quite regularly, most of which I would never (laughs) let anyone read. It will never be in a book. Um, But again, I feel like I, I knew Dave. And that's, that is a good feeling, not a feeling of loss. It's a good feeling. Mm -hmm. And just honored to really be a part of all of this and having you guys in here with us today. And again, I got a feeling somebody's going to be a pain in my ass. What do you think, Joelle? I think she's going to be over here harassing me. Uh, I think it's needed. (laughs) I know, I know the book's got to come out. I really do. I I do. I just can't seem to get my thoughts organized to get it done. Um, but Dave, we're excited you were here and you talked. Your wife had said you wouldn't. She lied. I do talk. See? And now it's memorialized out there for everybody to hear in the podcast world. Yes. So we're honored that you wouldn't just sit here and look at me like I'd lost my mind, like many do. It's not a new look, I assure you. I got it from him a few times. Oh, looking at me. <laughs> But we're excited about your day today. I'm hoping to get over there. That's it's on my list. It's till seven tonight. It's going to. And for those of you, well, we won't have this out yet. So that's a shame that the people won't know about on the podcast. But we'll put a notice up on Facebook reminding people because we have shared that uh, about the book signing. And so tonight you're going to be there till seven. Four to seven. Okay. And And longer. if, If needed. If we don't run out of books. Okay. I have, have a feeling a, it's going to be a longer. How many we books have, do we have? We have 250 books. Good. 
Awesome. And then, you know, people have bought books, too. Yeah, so. I ordered mine online as soon yeah. as it came out. Just forgot to bring you it. You haven't you just, read it, though. I haven't. I thought you were going to read it before we did Well, I was, and, and then chemo changed some things that it didn't get done. So, um, But it it's right by my bedside. It will get read. I would read. love to hear what you think. Absolutely. Have you will. Read it. Absolutely. And we know tonight's going to be a huge success. Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody around here is going to come out to see you and yeah. buy the book. And it's going to be fun. Yes. I'm sorry it's raining. Hopefully it'll be a little better, but whatever. It is what it it's is, indoors. Right? It's indoors. Yeah, it's indoors. So it shouldn't deter anybody. But, And Natalie, we're so glad you were on here with us too. And again, looking Thank forward you. to working with you. And <laughs> we're probably going to cuss you <laughs> out because I can be difficult. Well, listen, I, really I can be difficult too. Okay, good. Then my we parents, might get this done. My parents nicknamed me Gluey as a kid because I don't let go. Oh, good. So I'm going to be on you. See, and I'm like a pit bull. I get my teeth in. I don't turn loose. So this is going to be an interesting fight. <laughs> but the book will get out. No, you're working together. Yeah, and I, I always, like I used to tell Julie, I mean, Judy, we don't stop until you're happy. Yeah. 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 Which I really like. I, I'm sure. Instead I'm sure. of, you know, I self-published. Natalie helped me self-publish because I just wanted control of this story. I didn't yes. want... Somebody Some just sensationalizing saying, it. And, yes. Yeah, and I wanted to say what the cover looked yes. like. And I wanted, you know, because this is very dear and near to my heart. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you from a guy that can't write a police report, that <laughs> with Natalie's help writing my book, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was. So. And I would never argue with you saying that Nobody you else write would a either. police report. Everybody that knows me knows that. So they're like, how did you even know how to spell half the words in that he, book? He, so. couldn't catch, he could catch him, but he couldn't clean him. That's Is that exactly what you said? Right. Uh, exactly yeah, well, that really so. wasn't his job, but really. But um, no, it's it, it'll be, it's a journey that I know I have to do, and, and it's time to get it done. That's for sure. I'm not getting any younger. You don't have forever. I know, I know. As my son keeps telling me too, Mom, you are 63. I'm like, wow, good heavens. What did he say? You had a good life at 59? <laughs> well, he yeah. told me that at 50. No, he told me, yeah, halfway to 100. You look good, Mom, for halfway to 100. But, you know, nice. you've lived a good life. <laughs> I'm like, are you ready to euthanize me or what? <laughs> yeah, Marines, you got to love them. That's all you can say. Yeah, Chris has met my youngest before uh, multiple times. So, But, Chris, glad you were here. Thank hope, you. Hope your book is going well also. Are you doing book signings? I know you've had them at... Some conferences where we've been. But. I am, yeah. Actually, um, again, thanks to you, introduced me to, to the lieutenant. Yes. Um, back in 2017 up in Colorado, I was able to maintain contact with him. Good. And because I'm a flake, I forgot to put in the important stories in the in the original version of the book. So I did a secondary version, uh, second edition, reached out to Dave Grossman. He actually did an endorsement for me. Good. A, a super nice forward. And that pretty much was my biggest event of my, my sure. professional career. And yeah, that much of the book's done. Natalie, I got my forward from Grossman. It's all <laughs> there done. You go. There you go. <laughs> so so we're, we're, that's headline. Absolutely. He hasn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what it's going to be. But, uh, but yeah, but uh, glad y'all would take the time out to come in studio and do this because it's so much more fun in-house than doing this over Zoom. And, again, good luck on the books, both of you. And hopefully I'll be out there with one. We'll all be, be touring the circuit. Yeah, please say more prayers because that's going to take that. And uh, Joel, anything we've got here wrapping this up, buddy? No, but I feel like we should get Natalie's information out there for anyone that needs a book. Yeah, <laughs> really? Right. Yeah, right. yeah. We'll put that out there. And uh, you know what? I would like for you to do too, if we can get a. I may have the picture somewhere. I probably can't find it, but of Davy's locker. Uh, that's a story that I would love to have on uh, that we can share. Because I think what Phoenix did was pretty amazing in doing that. And I do need another decal if we have one because it's on the back of my calendar. I'll have to send it Or the to front you. of it. And it I keeps did. getting. I brought everything else, but not a decal. I'm putting it on my phone. Please do. And for those of you listening, we are just want you to know that how much we appreciate you, uh, our first responders, our military and families. We appreciate all the sacrifices that are made, especially by the families um, I don't think we can say that enough, truthfully. And that's not just spouses and kids. It's parents. It's everybody. Uh, it's a hard lifestyle. And it's time for people to recognize that. And these are more stories that we want to tell here at Fight in Progress. Uh, if you're struggling with anything, there's nothing we don't handle here at Under the Shield. And one of our biggest claims to fame is anonymity. We, we don't go on the legal term of confidentiality because there are exceptions. It's all based on anonymity. 
Uh, our toll-free number that you can call 24-7 is 855-889-2348. If you hit extension 1, you will get a stress coach. You're not going to get voicemail. We won't even have your phone number. So if you get disconnected, you've got to call us back. Uh, we do everything to protect your identity. And if you want to talk to me on that line, you can hit extension 2. Uh, you may get voicemail. I'm going to give you my cell, area code 334-324-3570. Call. Tell me you're your chief. Tell me you're sheriff. I don't care. Tell me you're Joe Biden. It doesn't matter. Uh, I don't really care what the name is. It's that you are seeking help and that there's somebody that you'll trust enough to reach out to us. Again, there's nothing we don't deal with here. Uh, families, call us. Sometimes we can help you figure out how to get them to reach out for help. Um, but you also need to know that there's somebody out there that has been there, lived it 20 years, married to a federal agent in drug enforcement. Um, call us. Again, that number is 855-889-2348. We put that in our little thing, don't we? We're also on Facebook. Um, and But make sure you reach out to somebody because the reality is, is we need all of you out there doing this job. You're the only essential element in our society that keeps us from going to complete and total chaos. So we love you out there. God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. God bless you guys and your journey in this and in the book sales and everything else. And Natalie, you're going to need to be blessed, honey. <laughs> so we'll add you on. I'll make sure you're on the prayer list of all my prayer warriors. I'll just tell you now. I <laughs> uh, hope you'll come back and hear us next time. And again, stay safe out there. Take care.